0: Welcome to your photography mentor podcast, a podcast dedicated to help you achieve your photography dreams, whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned
1: pro. Now, here's your hosts, David Molnar and Rich Coleman.
2: Hey, folks. David Monar here, your photography mentor. Welcome to episode, I actually forget which episode number it is.
1: 34, David, 34.
2: No way, 34? Yeah. thirty-four. Episode 34, I, I missed last week. Um, for it was quite a good one. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I actually heard it, but I, I just wasn't on live. So, yeah. Rich Coleman, how are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing good. A little tired, but, a little, but doing great. Doing good. So
2: why, why are you so tired?
1: Well, David, let's get into the big three. First off, the big three is I just did a wedding in Avalon, New Jersey, which is really close to the city. So I I did that.
2: Like Anne of Avonlea. I was like, all right, sweet. Yeah, there uh, we go. Northeast.
1: Whoa. Yeah, Yeah. same thing. So I shot in Jersey. um, So that's the one. I just, you know, came back from that. Went to the city for a night. Um, But number two two of the big three is I also took the Canon RP on a full photo shoot. um, Trying that out. I've had the R for a while. Yeah. Okay. I did. So many of our students were asking me like what I thought, and I was like, oh, I hate it, just because I liked the R. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna buy the RP, put her through the ringer. That way, I'm like answering honestly. Mm. So RP performed well, David. Mm. I was pretty impressed. The viewfinder's not quite to par with the R, uh, but man, it grabbed focus every time. So
2: there you go. A Canon camera, a camera that grabs focus is a good thing. It, it's uh, just,
1: we're not used to it. It's been gone for 20 years. Like we yeah, haven't had that in 20 exactly, years. So, just...
2: exactly. <laughs> uh, I've actually seen some reactions from our uh, guests that we're going to be bringing on in just a minute. So, um, but Hey, so, so for me, I had, you know, the, the other two things, if you just said one, it, well, I guess you kind of said two last it, week. It, you're was the, birthday, you're the boss. Last week was birthday week. Um, my birthday. Well, it was kind of like, six days of crazy birthdays my birthday was september 30th my wife's birthday was october 6th and the day before my wife's birthday is my daughter rosie's birthday october 5th so it was like three birthdays and my wife turned the big i don't know if i'm allowed to say it Nah, she's 40 she's six the big the big four oh (laughs) no she she turned the big four oh and she's she's four years older than me so i always like to give her a hard time but um we got to celebrate her, and it was it was just a really special time, and of course got to spell, celebrate my little rose, little Rosy Love, uh, as well. So lots of fun, and then Juliet. Here's another thing: I'm like spilling all this stuff. Juliet is potty training my my two my two year old is potty training, uh, so that's like really exciting, and she had some she had some success this weekend. So um, so that's that's the that's the big news. But hey, you know what I'm really excited about, Rich? I'm what are really, you excited about? I'm really excited because you know. I'm about to bring on screen one of my photography heroes, all right? Um, this, this man, I mean, you know, like, I've gotten to share this a little teeny bit with him, so, uh, so like, it's fun that I get to, he gets to hear this, but, I mean, this man literally changed my life, literally changed my life. He was one of my earliest photography mentors, and he didn't even know it at the time because he's an author of this amazing book. Has several books now, but... This amazing book that was, uh, well, that is called Digital Wedding Photography. And I was looking on Amazon this morning to see if I could even find it. Maybe we'll ask them to see if we can. But, um, but this book, Digital Wedding Photography, I read it in the year 2005. I think it came out in 2004, and um, and it literally changed my life. And I dare say it would change a lot of our students' lives as well because it helped me gain the confidence that I needed to become a professional wedding photographer. It was phenomenal. I'd say like the top photography book I've ever read as, as far as impact in my life. And so I just, he's this amazing photographer. I've been inspired by him for uh, six to 15 years, something like that. And so today I'm honored to bring on um, Paul Giro. So Paul, how are you doing today? I, j- I just pulled you up on the screen. Uh, how are you doing I'm today? I'm great.
0: <laughs> I'm great. Thanks, you guys.
2: Thank you That's so much. That's very for... kind
0: of you to say that, David.
2: Oh well, I mean, I mean every, um, I mean it with every morsel or ounce of my whatever. I mean it. You're awesome. We thank we appreciate you, you. so. Um, so thank you so much for for joining us. Hey, Paul, real quick, we always do a giveaway on yeah. this podcast. We're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions, and getting to the advice that you have for photographers, and hear a little bit about your story and um, and which, which cameras are your favorites and all sorts of stuff about that. Um, but what, what's something that we could give away today or what do you want to give away today? What can I, what can I buy for these students that we're going to give away today? You were telling me about something a few minutes ago.
0: I would like to have it be an aperture MC, which is the little light, a little tiny, little light led Uh light. Okay. That's, uh, it does bi-color. So 3,200 up to I think 6,000 daylight to tungsten, but it also does HSI. So you can use an app to dial in colors or you can just program it. So I dialed in purple in the background and you can make it do like a dozen movie type effects, you know, like police, ambulance, lightning, things like that. So it is an amazing light. Aperture makes, I think some of the best LEDs on the planet, very high quality for CRI, CRI and TLCI and they've become quite popular with a lot of independent filmmakers because they support the industry so much, but they, their price to value ratio is really off the charts.
2: That's so great. That's love it. Well, so we'll give away that. It's called the Aperture what well, MC, MC. Aperture MC. Okay. So all you guys have to do to be yeah. eligible to win that Aperture MC, um, light, is, uh, is share this Facebook Live video. Just share it, and one of you guys will win it at the end of this. We'll buy it. And so we're going to buy you one. I'm probably going to buy me one, too, because this sounds amazing. I need to check it out. While we're at it. <laughs> yeah, while we're at it, buy, buy one for yeah. Rich as well. Um, so, well, fantastic. Thanks. So if, all you guys have to do is just share this uh, Facebook Live, and, uh, and then one of you guys will, will win that at the end. So, Paul, you wrote this book, Digital Wedding Photography, that, as you heard, uh, was was, you know, re- really changed my life. It gave me the confidence. Like, I know that I shared this with you. Like when you, I, I, w- I remember reaching out to you. I can't remember how long ago it was probably 10 years ago. I don't know, yeah. maybe something like that. And just being, and like, I just, I read, I had no idea if the email would get to you. Cause I know you're so big time. I was like, I don't know if it's gonna, you know, if he's going to get this email or not, but, um, I think I just reached out to you on the contact form on your website and and would just kind of shared my heart a little bit and said you know just thank you so much for writing this book it meant so much to me um and really you know really truly changed my life and um and so uh yeah it it was just just an amazing book tell us can you tell us a little bit about how you got started and what led you to to write that book and then well we have a few topics of conversation yeah it's
0: it's it's a long story it goes To a very small town here in Wisconsin, not far from where I am now when I was a 12 year old kid doing boy Scouts and I wanted to learn photography and I also wanted to learn movie making and they were both on the same side of the merit badge. And I literally kept flipping the book, deciding to do movies or stills. And I chose stills because the local editor of the paper was going to be my counselor for it. So I figured that would be a lot better and it worked out really well. And then when I went into college, I got a degree in journalism and then that led to internships for a newspaper, which led to jobs because internships was the way that you back then got into newspapers. And I don't know if it's the same now because so much of that industry has just changed since I got out in 2002, but that's what it was like back then. And the book came about as a result of an article that I wrote online our film versus digital. I was back at that time Mm. and a book publisher from, or a book packager from the UK reached out to me to do the book Mm. and we agreed to do it. And it's funny that you say that the book changed your life and that's really deep and profound to me, but it also changed my life too, because I sent a copy of that book to Dave Metz, who at the time was the head of Canon's explorers of light program, but I just sent it to him to say thanks because David supported me as a photographer since the mid eighties. Yeah. And little did I know about six months later, they decided to expand the explorers program and they invited me to be a member of it. Wow! And that changed my life because I didn't seek it, but it put me in a, on a kind of a trajectory to do more teaching. And I was really not very good at it at the time. And it really sh- showed up for me that way. Like when I would go to WPPI and I just was not really good on stage mm. and that ended in 2009 and it was not by my choice, but it was actually the best thing that could have happened to me okay. because when it ended, it opened the door a few years later for Sony to come in. And now I'm sponsored by Sony and doing a lot more teaching. And I feel like, I'm a lot better at it, and I do a lot more presentations. I do much more video. I speak in front of students, and now I don't even worry about it, and I actually love it. So all of these things changed my life, and it came from that book too. So Mm. it's funny how it had an effect on you, but it also had an effect on me and my family as well.
2: Oh wow, yeah. So I I don't. I'm I'm learning stuff, so that that's awesome. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you didn't feel. Do you feel confident? Do you feel um, do you enjoy teaching now? I mean, it sounds like you're, you're like back then you weren't as comfortable with it and all well, that stuff.
0: I, I think I, I just didn't feel like I was for whatever reason, maybe it was the old classic entrepreneurs, imposter syndrome. Cause I, I always, I know that too it, it just, well. <laughs> just didn't, it wasn't a great fit for me and I don't know why, but it just wasn't. And you know, like, it was very difficult when it ended because it wasn't my choice, but sometimes the best things that happen are the things that you don't ex- you know that you don't want to happen, but when you look back on them and with the gift of hindsight you look and think, "Oh my gosh, thank God that that happened because then I was free in 2013 and well it started in 2012 when I was really looking for something different than DSLR. I was my lenses were getting old. Version one zooms in Canon were not really optimized for for big sensors or bigger sensors. They were meant for film and 12 megapixel sensors. And so I was looking for something that was better, smaller and was kind of a revolution like EOS was back in 87 when it came out. And I tried the A7 in 2000. 13, when it first came out, which was the first full frame mirrorless camera. And I I was not enamored with it. And part of it was, is because I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to use it. It was different than Canon and I couldn't take the time to learn. But the next spring they came out with the a 6,000, which is a little tiny camera. You know, it's like a little pocket camera. All right. Yeah. yeah is that those?
2: It's a 6,500. Was it pretty similar to this or was it?
0: Yeah. Very similar, very similar size. Yeah. And then a friend of mine said, I know you're ready to go back to DSLR, but before you do it, try this. And so I rented it from lens rentals mm-hmm. and a 70 to 200 F four, cause I needed that lens. And within five minutes I was like, oh, this is where I want to go. And this is the company I want to go with yeah. because I was excited about the fact that they were trying to do something that nobody had done and shake up the business and, and the industry in a way that obviously it's happened. Hmm. And I am so grateful for that opportunity and I really believe in it. And I felt like if I was going to be talking about gear, I had to totally like down to my essence of my being, my soul speak about something that I was a total fan for. And that's what happened with Sony. And so I absolutely love the fact that the canon thing ended it was great and then it wasn't and then it was time to move on yeah and that's just kind of the story of my life you know it's just like there's always something on the on the front on the horizon
2: i hear you. so th- that's really interesting to me and you know full disclosure you connected me with uh, with with some contacts at sony and i'm testing out um, some sony gear with them right now that's you know higher level than the a6500 or the Gear up here um but um but but anyways um and and i'm really loving it i just i did a uh, professional shoot the other day friday night thursday night with the with the um what? with that i think it was the a9 is the one i have and they sent me a bunch oh. of lenses and stuff and uh and i'm i'm like it's really awesome i really like it yeah. so um so
0: the thing i say david about this is that when people try sony if they've been totally like in the Blinder zone of Canon and Nikon, mm-hmm. and they try Sony or even to a certain degree Fuji, but I say Sony specifically, like with the A9 or the A9, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, when you see what real time tracking is, and when you see 20 frames a second, especially from action, it is a true revelation. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I felt with it. And when I saw the A9 come out back in 2017 i think it was i was like this is what i signed up for this is what i took a risk on this is kind of the brass ring that i was hoping to pull and they continue to evolve and that's what's really special about it and now in the video space they just came out with the a7s3 which i'm hoping mine comes this week it's <laughs> it's 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 something that's got me so more excited than any camera they've ever done believe it or not
2: why are you excited about the a7s3 tell me
0: about it. Well, the main reason I switched to Sony was for video, ironically. And yeah. if you've tried to shoot video with a DSLR with an optical viewfinder, you've tried it and it if it, if you're like me, it drove me crazy. I was just like I'd rather drive spikes through my eyes than do it. You can do it <laughs> and it has a great look, but it's yep. got all kinds of compromises. It's one reason why I think they came out with Cinema Line. And um with Sony, though, even with the a6000, you just literally are looking through the EVF and punch the red button, and you can still see your video through the EVF. and That was really huge, and it's only gotten better. And the a7S III, to me, is the truest, closest thing to a true hybrid camera that you can shoot stills with and you can shoot uh, movies with. I mean, we're talking full-on Area Alexa, Epic quality. It's now it's not quite an area or it's not a Venice, but from what I've been seeing, and I mean, there was one of the websites, the YouTube sites compared the three of them. They were very, very comparable. And I think most people would be hard pressed who aren't cinema pros to see the difference. Now there's obviously differences in terms of the way you work with them and things like that. But for me, I've always believed that I wanted to have everything in a backpack or a small bag to, to, to be able to do a magazine story or to do a film and Mm -hmm. the whole aspect of production. I mean, you lived in Nashville and I lived in LA and I worked on production. And that to me was like Chinese water torture. It was horrible. It was like watching sausage made and it Mm -hmm. kind of removed a little bit of the kind of the art of it for me. And some people love that. And I just knew I did not. But I love the fact that the A7S three has amazing video with it, with a deep bit depth. So it's a 10-bit in capture in camera. Mm-hmm. It also has the ability to do RAW in ProRes with an external recorder, which is really pretty amazing. Now it's not 8K like the R5, right? But that's okay because it I think that eat. they kind of put the. <laughs> Well, from what I've heard from people and a buddy of mine tested it at weddings in Austin, Texas. And if it's going to overheat, it's going to overheat in August in Austin. And it didn't. So, okay. I mean, that's a, that's a cool recommendation for it. And there was right. a couple of reports online from some people who had overheating issues, but Hugh Brownstone was one mm-hmm. of them and Hugh's a friend and he went back and he really stayed on it to see what was causing the problem. Right. And he found that it was a lens that wasn't a Sony lens. It wasn't a G master. It was a, uh, like a Viltronics 13, uh, 3518 or something like that. So mm-hmm. it really wasn't like his point was, is that the lenses almost became a heat sink for the dissipation of the heat. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to know. But it was also great that Hugh con- continued to kind of press the issue and not just put it out there and, you know, create all kinds of con- controversy now, that he went for, out there and he tried.
2: Was this for the, sorry, was this for the R5 or you're talking about the a7S III? Oh, this
0: was the a7S III because it was okay. him and Dan Watson down in Florida who tested it. Mm-hmm. Now I don't remember what Dan's uh, conclusion was, but uh, Hugh went back and tried it and tried to reassess with the Sony folks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure he spent, A lot of time going over it with them as they do, because those, those folks, you know, they Sony dealt with their own heat issues back in 2016 with the a 6,300 when it came out. And I mean, that thing overheated. And of course it's a little tiny camera, like your a 6,500. And then that was the first one that did four K and it just didn't have the, the way to dissipate the heat that it needed to. And then they came back with some firmware tweaks that, that made it work and made it useful. So they're constantly evolving and constantly improving. And that's something that I think they pushed the industry as a whole to get better at, because like you guys were saying earlier in, in your lead, 20 years that it, you got a lens, a Canon lens that focuses. Well, back in the mid two thousands, a lot of people left Canon, because of the one DS or I'm sorry, the one D mark three focusing issue. And that was about the time the D three came out. So, you know, these, these companies continue to be, uh, we benefit by the fact that there's competition in the yes, industry. And I'm absolutely. glad to see that, that all of them are evolving into mirrorless, because I think that that's the only way for the future to go for all of us as photographers. I was gonna
2: ask you that. I was like, is it, are DSLRs gonna still be around or is everything moving towards towards list? What do you think? I,
0: I don't know. I mean, I was the guy in 1999 who thought we had another 10 years left of film and newspapers. And so I was wrong by about eight years. Hmm. And, and so I, I don't wanna get into that long game because who knows? I mean, if Bill we- if, if Bill Gates can miss the web, then, you know, anybody can miss something, you know, so I would think it will evolve because they are, I believe cheaper to produce, but they're also more compact and they're a little bit easier to carry. And, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people just don't want to carry that older folks, men, women. I don't, I've been working, I've been in this business for over 30 years and you know, like I'm trying to play the long game in it. it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I don't want the gear to you know to beat my body up like at a wedding, you know, right. like Rich had a wedding, and you've done weddings, and you know what it's like, and I mean, you do an eight to twelve hour wedding with two big cameras with uh two eight glass zooms and fast Ooh. aperture primes, and you feel like you've been hit by a truck at yep. the end of the night,
2: absolutely, and then for the next several days after that, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 that was you know,
0: one thing that when I went to to um with the Sonys, with the wide area autofocus, but then now more like the more precise zone focus and face and eye detection, mm-hmm. I don't have these uh, wrist issues and hand issues like I used to have when I used DSLR because okay. I'm not spending a lot of time writing the focus points and and recomposing, which was kind of the rigor. you know that was the kind of the way we did it back in the mid two thousands, yeah, and or the way I did it anyway and so I just feel like it's a lot easier on my body, and plus it's a lot easier on my mind because I'm seeing it in real time what I'm getting, and yeah. I don't have to guess.
2: Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I think I, th- I, love the way the technology is going, and I love that now Canon is actually competing. Like the the Canon R five, yeah. I got to test it out. It was really amazing. The Canon R is really awesome. I haven't I haven't used an RP yet. Um, uh, but anyways, I've heard that one's good too. I've you know have the a seven three a sixty five hundred and um testing out the a nine and just just kind of loving the direction that the photography industry is heading because focus has always been such a big issue for so many of our students for me, for you for all of us. It's always been kind of a thing that um you know it's it's hard to get focused when you're when you're moving fast, you know at a wedding or whether you're documenting sports or whether you're shooting lots of frames per second. whatever it is, it's always kind of an issue, so I'm excited for where things are headed and um, whether or not DSLRs completely disappear or not, um, I would say mirrorless is here to stay. So I want to shift gears a little teeny bit. Um, okay. what, what, what is it like, tell us a little bit about your career. Like how long, um, like where do you split your time? You, you said you were on production side. I didn't really realize this. Like I'm learning new things about you, which is, which is fun for me. You're on the production side in LA. So were you working on movie sets? Uh,
0: no, I was doing, uh production stills on some TV shows like okay. uh, contender. Some of the Mark, I actually photographed apprentice in 2004
2: <laughs> okay. in
0: New York when they, before the celebrity apprentice even took off. Okay. And so it was when they were, it was in the early stages of, of the apprentice. Okay. And then, uh, that goes back to a friend from DC days in the mid eighties, uh, Kevin Gilbert, who was, who got to know Mark Burnett before Mark Burnett became the Mark Burnett. And it was Mark was doing, uh, what was he doing? He was doing discovery channel stuff. Um, the eco challenge, which was his kind of adventure race. Okay. And I did, I did the adventure race eco challenge in Argentina in 1999 and actually November of 99 for three weeks. And it was great. And I was talking to Kevin at the, yeah, yeah you photograph, photograph. Okay. the still: so yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh no, gosh, no. I uh, was like impressive. Kevin was talking to, yeah, Kevin was there when Mark showed up, and he was telling me, yeah, he just worked on this show uh, called Survivor. It's going to come out in the summer. So the ah. summer of 2000, Survivor came out, and the rest is history with Mark. I mean, that just shot him into the. In the, to the stratosphere oh, yeah. and I did a few things later on. I haven't done any of that lately, but it, it's fine because I just know that you either love that work or you hate it. And I just did not love it. I just mm-hmm. didn't like the hours I didn't like, Ah, uh, just wasn't yeah. for me and that's good, but I, I came from a newspaper background, so it was really good training for that,
2: yeah. but
0: it wasn't the right f- for me and my sensibilities. And that's the thing about everybody's kind of find their own little niche. And they've kind of got a, it's, I think it's great to take inspiration from people and ideas. And like one of my teachers said back when I was in college, he said, he, st- he loved how Ali did it. Muhammad Ali, the, the great fighter was also a great student of boxing. And he would take techniques from people, all kinds of fighters. And he would synthesize them into his personality and his style. And that kind of became rope dope And. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and I've never forgotten that. And I try to apply it as a photographer because there's things I really love, like sports, and I love documentary work, and I love doing weddings, and I love doing videos. So now, I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of synthesize and make all of that come together in a way that's a business
2: yeah. in
0: in twenty, which is not an easy feat, but it's totally doable. Yeah, and some portraiture in there too, which I like, I can do, but it's not like the thing that just gets me out of bed in the morning. It's it, for some people it really is. And that's great because everybody has to know what moves their own needle. And, uh, I'm glad I've I've got skill in it because it's very, it's a very useful skill to have. That is to say, lighting, using lights, LEDs, or strobe Mm
2: -hmm. learning
0: that can give you a a lot of power as a photographer and earning power.
2: So so what are you spending your time with now like you you were uh you, you still shoot weddings? And-
0: uh we moved it's it's been a building process like yesterday I did an engagement session for a couple that's getting married in the future okay. in 2020, actually. Yeah. And all of this stuff just you know how it is with weddings it just there's a lead in there's a burn in time and sure, yeah. one of the things that I did here when we moved in almost two years ago was to really become part of the network of professionals that are in the event industry here, both commercial and, uh, corporate work, but also social events like weddings. And that's been a really good thing because I've got this incredible network of coordinators and venues and vendors and things like that, that really came together very, very quickly because I learned what I did wrong in California when I moved out there which was discount that and to not really go after it and really make an important, you know, push in my business, not to say that you don't want referring you, but I realized that brides will refer to a point and then their life changes and they are no longer in that wedding headspace. That's right. And so wedding theaters and event venues and things like that, they are in that all the time because that's their chosen profession. Mm. And so it really is important to really, maximize the, the relationships that are in the industry itself because those people are in it for the long haul.
2: Well, I love that. I want to stop there for a second. So, so what you're saying is that uh, maybe a mistake that you made in California was focusing too much on the brides and having their referrals, you're saying, and not right. enough of focusing on the wedding vendors and planners and you know, florists or whatever it is, the vendors that are actually in the industry themselves. Um, right. I know Rich, our co-host, who actually got bumped off a little teeny bit ago because of internet on an island is always fun. Um, but, uh, but he said that that's one of the things he's always focused on is, is really developing those relationships with vendors and being really helpful. Um, and, uh, and that's like they refer him like crazy. Like he has more, more weddings than... Like he has to turn down stuff. And now on, on the Outer Banks where he is, there's a lot of smaller... Um, uh there's a lot of smaller um uh weddings like like uh elopements and things that are only a couple hours whereas the weddings that i think you were shooting the ones that i was shooting were all like 10 hour long ordeal kind of expensive weddings where a lot of the ones that he, he shoots those too but a lot of the ones that he shoots are ones that are like you know a couple hours on the beach like real quick and kind of easy um so he has a wedding he's shooting this afternoon i'm like it's monday <laughs> like i never shot a wedding that wasn't a saturday occasionally a sunday and or a friday but i don't think i ever shot maybe once a thursday or something like that but anyway so you were saying that one of the mistakes you made was to not really get plugged in into the actual industry with the vendors can you talk a little bit more about that and like and and give give our students who are about to break into the to the industry there there a lot of our students just for context um have learned how to use their camera are learning how to use their camera learning lighting and uh, have, you know, are learning or have learned editing, and or about to make that bridge to shooting weddings, either on the weekends or shooting portraits. Uh, it's kind of like start being a professional photography, whether it's part time or making the jump full time. So, what can you speak a little bit more to, like, what you would recommend to those people who are trying to, um, you know, start a business, whether it's in weddings or portraits? I know I'm putting oh, it in the spot they, here. Sorry. They are.
0: <laughs> okay. No, that's okay. Because the portrait business model is actually the best business model to start in any location bar none. I think it's the best business model in photography in the retail business model, because it can just plant wherever you go. You can start it. Like you can be doing move somewhere and do portraits the next week. Hmm. Once you're moved in, whereas weddings often take a burn in time, you know, yes, you can do ads and things like that. I mean, there's the old, uh, face, Facebook ad strategy, Instagram ad strategy. And, you know, like I've never had real good luck with those myself, but others have, and you also have to consider the marketplace in terms of how you're priced. But I also think too, it's fundamentally really important to, to be upfront and honest with your clients when you're building your business and let them know that if you're, if you're new, I think they, it's really incumbent upon you to tell them that you're new so that they realize that they're getting a discount or they're getting a break on the price because you are actually on the learning and it's very difficult. The ideal world would be to second shoot for somebody and just come along for the ride, hold the bag, um, shoot lent and then have somebody critique you. But the reality of that happening is pretty rare because a lot of photographers are very territorial and they want to protect that little what they perceive as an advantage. I frankly don't think of it as a, you know, I don't, I don't, I think people are going to go where they're going to go and price is going to drive some decisions as well as connection with a a particular photographer is going to drive other decisions. And I think there's enough in an ever expanding universe that we're all going to be fine, but that doesn't change the fact that some photographers are very, very territorial and don't want to share and feel like everything's a secret less so now, I think there's, there's a photographer, a friend of mine in Canada named Taylor Jackson, who is really an open book. And he puts so much out on, on YouTube about doing wedding photography. And he does a lot of destination work and he's really, there's no surprise. He's got 500,000 subscribers on, on his YouTube channel. Wow, he's really, yeah. he gives good content and, mm-hmm. and he's a really, um, I would say a really great resource for a lot of folks that are starting out. And for him, it was, he did a lot of weddings for, he just tried to find his ideal clients. And yeah. for me, I, I found, I would often find clients because being a, a news photographer, people would ask you to do weddings. And back then news photographers would often, Oh, well, I don't do weddings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that I'm beyond that. And, sure. uh, and I felt that way too, but then, Dennis Reggie came onto the scene and I realized that, you know, actually there are a a lot of great moments at a wedding. And there's a lot of things that you wanted to have happen as a photojournalist. That is to say, you wanted to have something that was visually loaded. You wanted to have plenty of time. You wanted to be granted access to these things. You wanted an emotional kind of a day. Well, all of these things are happening at a wedding. So it was like, well, duh, go for it. Yeah, And i I still am fascinated by wedding receptions. I think they are the most interesting things because it's such a tribal. This is the mating ritual that's been going on for eons. Yeah. And I have friends just look at receptions and go, Oh God, another reception. But I just find it so fascinating to look at the, how it happens. You know, what is happening in front of my lens? And the fact that this, the music is the same from week to week makes it even funnier, kind of like a like a Groundhog Day moment. <laughs> it but it, it uh, like that
2: sometimes for it, sure.
0: It really does. But you notice what happened in Groundhog Day when he began to change his life is when he began to see the beauty in the people around him and not have contempt for them. Right. And I think that's really important as a photographer too, is to look at this event as this is a very important event for them whether it's a family portrait session or whether it's a wedding and to really not think of it as, Oh, this is number 52 of my weddings this year, Mm. but it's only number one for them. So it's very important, I think to really consider that. But I think there, it's just like anything. If people want to do it, they will find a way or make a way to do it. And I mean, I was, when I was a kid, I used to call people on the phone and it would drive my, parents crazy. Like if I was in track in high school, I would call people who were like Olympic caliber athletes and it would just drive my parents out of their mind because, but I was like, well, you might as well go to the source to get the best information.
2: So did you get them on the phone? Like, would you get these athletes on the phone? Yeah.
0: So there was a runner named Billy Rogers who won the 1975 Boston marathon. And he was a member of the 1976 Olympic marathon team, one of three in the country and he didn't finish well. He got um, like 40th place in Montreal, but we had a ongoing correspondence and I still have the letters from those days. And we'd talk about training and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm even as a kid, I would do that kind of stuff to try to find out information and now it's just so much better. I mean, so many people put out everything out on YouTube. So there's very little secrets out there. And if there are, and if there are any secrets, there's always a way to find them out. But I think if people want to do this, they will do it. It's just, you got to get to the, the reason for doing it. And I think this is an amazing profession still to this day. And I've been doing it for a long time and I think it's only getting The technology is getting better, but it's a very competitive business, and it always has been, but particularly now, Mm -hmm. it becomes a marketing business even more than it ever was. Mm -hmm. And so photographers not only have to be very good at their work, but they have to be very good at sharing their work and talking about it and promoting it do it or whether they have somebody else do it for them but it's a marketing business and the deliverable is our photography and our films if that's what we do
2: yeah love that so a uh, couple cu- couple things got a quick question for you to see if you know have you heard of the enneagram are you familiar with mm-hmm. that it's a personality test
0: yeah yeah it i do
2: but but you know i've heard i was gonna say i was gonna I was wondering if you knew what your Enneagram number is. I'm a seven. I, I don't know. Yeah. I
0: have no idea what I am.
2: I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if you're a nine. Um, but anyways, one of these days it would be fun to find out. Um, it's a, it's a really fun personality test. We talked about it on the podcast and it's one of the things that's been helpful for my wife and I. So, but, um, if you don't know your number, we won't go into that whole thing. Um, one of the things that was so impactful for me that you talked about in your book, digital wedding photography, by the way, real quick, um, is it possible to get that book? Still, is it still in print anywhere? It's
0: out of print. It's out of print. I've S i have I think you can find it on some used booksellers. I, you know, the, the weirdest thing was it was printed in the UK mm-hmm. and then distributed through a company. It wasn't even one of the big, it wasn't like am photo back in the day or one of those companies that was really big in selling photo books mm-hmm. It was a really oddball uh, distributor who did a lot of technical computer books. Mm-hmm. and. I don't know whatever happened to it. I mean, it's. I I've, I've got a couple copies of it. I don't have many copies of it myself. Yeah, yeah, I've no got it.
2: I have a copy, I've got a but copy. It's in, it's in a box somewhere because we just moved recently, and I'm like, yeah. I, I actually I don't know which box of books it's in, and there you know we're we have not built our shelves for bookshelves yet, but um, but yeah, it's such a it's such a phenomenal book. So there was there was a there was a thing that you talked about in this book, and you said, um, and it was so impactful to me because I read it when I was 20 years old. I read it before I shot my first wedding, which was Jasper and Jen's wedding. Um, And then, uh, and and you said, you said in that book, like, you know, something that you kind of, um, something that you kind of mentioned uh, uh, earlier where you're like, it's, it might be your 52nd wedding this year, but it's your, it's their first wedding, you know, this year, you know, (laughs) like, um, and uh and, and so it's kind of that it's kind of getting the mindset that that this is their special day and you need to capture their story accordingly but you talked about this subject this premise of falling in love with the bride mm. and and well, the way and the way that you the way that you put that is like you have to fall in love with the bride and um and find out like what's beautiful about them and i i've even referenced that um in i've a course that's uh called Naturally Pose Your Subjects Like a Pro, and it's all about finding out the beautiful side of, of your subjects and posing them in flattering ways and drawing out, instead of like stiffly posing people, like trying to find flattering angles of them by doing rotations and encouraging them to like do more of what looks good. Um, but one of the things I, I reference is like, you know, everyone has beauty to them. You want to find what uh, are their strengths and try to maximize those strengths and minimize those weaknesses it was a profoundly important thing to me so i just thought it was a very interesting thing how you were like fall in love with the bride find out what's beautiful with them we say fall in love not like not in a weird way but like it's their wedding right. day like, find out how they're uh and, and you kind of maybe you could talk about that a little teeny bit more i don't know do you remember when you had written in the book 16, well, 17 years i ago?
0: don't remember it exactly um but it, it to me it's all about finding connection with people and mm-hmm like what you connect with, if you can feel it through the lens, I feel like that there's a photo there and it's almost like electricity. Mm. It's, it's a, it's may seem kind of strange and kind of California woo woo, but I I really felt like the, the photos I could tell there was a, there's a great photographer by the name of Sam Abel who wrote a book called stay this moment. And he's a geographic photographer, just a wonderful photographer. Um, kind of a philosopher in a way and he would do these very gentle stories whether in Russia or against uh uh the simple people I think he did the um, the Hutterites or one of those he photographed a lot of people that are, are not t- typically in the limelight but he has just this this beautiful aesthetic and he goes after a while I began to know when I was in the presence of a photo and I was just like whoa that really struck a nerve with me because it was like, I totally get that now. When I was younger, I would just be just like a bull in the China shop and just make a photo just by sheer force of will. But then as I get older, I just kind of know where I want to stand and where I want to be and how I want to put people in that space, but also what I want to be going through that space in terms of the feel and the energy. And it's just a prac it's just practice. Hmm. And it's one of those things that it's really important. And that's why I, I, I feel a little bit of sadness that newspapers aren't what they were because for me, they were the most amazing education, not only in photography, but in interpersonal relationships of anything I've ever had. Because when you're doing three, Four, sometimes five assignments a day. You're dealing with all different kinds of personalities that you have to forge a relationship with at a very, very quick pace. But yet, you don't want it to feel forced or phony, if, if that makes sense. And yeah. you want to connect with people in a really intimate way, enough so that they will give you a photograph that will reflect their story. And it was the most amazing training. It's probably a lot like a salesperson going door to door and getting a lot of doors slammed on the face. You begin to kind of learn how to talk to people and how to connect with them. And it was such a great, great experience, not just from the technical aspects, which are huge, because when you do three or four assignments a day and back in the film days, you would come back with your film and process it. And then where I was at in Milwaukee, we had to print it as well. So if you had three assignments or four assignments in the day and come in and you have 12 to 20 rolls of film, that was a lot of work. And then you had to process it, dry it, cut it, edit it, print yeah. it, caption it. I would, I would have a eight hour, 10 hour, nine hour shift, but I was never done until two or three in the morning because I was learning. It was a process, but I yeah. learned so much, not only about the technical, but about that interpersonal relationship. And that's really I think the best photographers always are able to connect with people on such a really natural and really re- relaxed way that lets people feel comfortable with them and, and, and lets them into their world.
2: Hmm. Love that, man, that, that, that's so good. That's so good. Well, Hey, I think we need to give away this. Uh, I think we need to give away this, this led light, this aperture led. Okay. I know I do have an aperture light. So, Where's my aperture light? Oh, it's way up there, but it's a, it's a different one. So, uh, 20D probably. Yes, yes, that, that's exactly right. So, but I'm, I'm fascinated by this, this one that we are about to give away. So, I'm going to actually text you a link. Um, or I'm going to text you a, uh, the winner's name here in a second. Not, I'm not sure okay. if you can see that anywhere. Um, but so the winner of the aperture and what is the light called again? Sorry, I'm not like you've talked it's about BMC. it. MC. MC, Aperture M- MC.
0: MC Hammer.
2: MC Hammer. And you can program a bunch of stuff and it really looks amazing. Um, yeah, Tom Andrews just, just commented on here. So the, um, our, our students have been loving it the whole time. So thanks so much. I've been, I've been kind of letting you talk. But Tom Andrews said, while wow, Paul takes amazing photos, I was just checking out Paul's website. More reasons to get my camera out more often. So um, the students have been loving it as well. And then it sounds like they're still able to get your book on Amazon um, as well, maybe it's, maybe it's a, uh, you know, from a, a, a used a used version as well. I know I'm like, I wanna get on there and like buy some extra copies just so I can get them away, give them to the students. So if we can find some, then I'll, I'm gonna give them away just because and I know some of the content, some of the like, this is how you edit the photos and Photoshop is gonna be a little outdated. But to me, that wasn't the point. To me, it was, um, it was the way that you, um, I felt like being able, once I read your book, And if I understood what you said in that book, especially the first two-thirds of it, because I think the first two thirds were were more about the process and the shots that you need to make sure that you get. And here's, you know, here's some examples of how you could do the lighting in those situations to get great shots. I felt like if I understood what you said and could just do those things, that I wouldn't screw up the wedding. You know, like it it actually like gave me the confidence um, to be like, okay, if I can do these things then, then I'm not going to screw it up. Cause I don't know about you guys, but that was my biggest fear is like screwing up someone's wedding photos of their special day. You know, that was a big fear of mine. And your book, um, gave me the confidence to, uh, you know, to do that. So, um, oh, so that's awesome. Well, hey, did, did you get the, did you get the winner's name? Um, Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer Moore. Jennifer Moore. Jennifer. You are you were the winner. Congratulations. Jennifer Moore, you um you have Come won the down. the aperture MC like the aperture mc hammer. So awesome. Well, Paul, um your your website is 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 it paulfgiro.com or just paulgiro.com yep.
0: it's I've got both domains, but it's paulfgiro.com. dot com. So it's
2: okay.
0: It's um uh, it's it's a little weird, but I've always had the F in there for professional stuff.
2: I don't know. No worries at all. I'm going to I'm going to put it up on the screen pauleftzero.com um, as well. One second. So you guys make sure and check out com. And so wh- where are you located? You're in Wisconsin?
0: I am in a small town in Wisconsin called Lake Mills and it's about 6,000 people. But it's really a, not a suburb and that was really important for us because I've lived in suburbs and cities ever since college. And that's all I wanted to do. Cause I grew up in a town of about 4,000 people. Okay. And all I wanted to do was get out of it and live in a city and see the world. And I did, mm-hmm. I married a South African, been to Africa many times with our family and been traveled around the world because of photography. And I'm so yeah. grateful for all of that. But now as I get older and my kids are, I I'm an older dad. So my my daughter's 15, almost 15. And my son is just turned 11. So we wanted to come back to a small town where my sister lives. So she lives a half mile from us. Okay. My niece lives two miles from us on the other side of the lake in this town okay. and has two, two little girls. So we wanted to be close to family.
2: Okay. Yeah. And that's we awesome. love it. That's so great. Well, if we want if we wanted to book you for a photo session, we could book you on Paul I I, sure. I would love I wanna get a I wanna have a photo shoot by you one of these days. So maybe maybe That'd we need great. to bring you maybe we need to bring you for down break. to the to the white white beaches of Florida here uh one of these days and uh and have have, have would, you do you a know, photo awesome. session. I would love it.
0: Yeah. We're coming down for spring break, hopefully. So you are down here? I don't know. But we're, pl- we're planning to come down like either somewhere on the West, in you know, on the, what do they call the, the Gulf coast area? I yeah, don't know where, able. but come to you're near a. Destin.
2: We'll t- yeah. We're, we're uh, about 30 minutes, well, 20 minutes East of Destin on a little area okay. called 30A. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, come, come here. Come great. here. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, um, for joining us today on the podcast for all of you guys listening. Thank you so much. And, um, and yeah, so honored to have you on here. Go check out paulfjero.com. If you guys are in that area, you want to book Paul for a, for a photo shoot, and then also follow Paul at Paul Giro, um, on Instagram and I'm assuming Twitter and and other places. I I don't get on Twitter hardly ever anymore, but I I do, I do have a username on there. Are you on Twitter? Yeah,
0: I am. Yeah. Use Twitter. but I mostly do it to, I use it to, to follow the news mostly. Uh, it's like reading the wire you know, it just, it just rolls so fast. Yeah, I occasionally promote some stuff on there, but it's, it's, I can't keep up with Twitter. I can barely keep up with Facebook and Instagram. So, uh, you know, but I just like to, I like to read what people are putting out there. And I, I'm, especially as we get closer to the election, it's really very timely stuff. So it's cool.
2: Yeah. I hear you. Well, thank you so much for, for being on. You're welcome. We, we, we appreciate you uh, so much. And on behalf of all the students, thanks. they're saying Maybe. thank you so much. So that that's awesome. Alrighty, Well, thanks so much, everyone. Have a fantastic day. If you guys are in the photo mentorship, we got some awesome sessions coming up for y'all this week. And um, yeah, some really exciting stuff. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify so you never miss out on news and events.
0: Give us a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about us. It helps us get the word out so we can help more people reach their photography goals. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about. Email us at hello at davidmolnar.com. This podcast is brought to you by thephotomentorship.com.